Hello and welcome to the Dynamic Leaders Podcast, part of the Talent 409 Leadership Academy Network. I am your host, Colin Cernelia, and thank you so much for joining us today. Please head over to talent409.com to learn more about how we can help your team or organization with their leadership and culture development. This podcast is available on Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Plus, don't forget, you can now play this podcast on any Amazon-enabled device. Just ask Alexa, play the Dynamic Leaders Podcast. Getting Dynamic Leaders with Colin Treniglia from Apple Podcasts. Before this episode begins, please consider taking a minute and leave a rating and review. Doing this really does help us grow the show, and you can get featured for your review on a future episode. Okay, we are on to episode 121 of the Dynamic Leaders Podcast, and today my guest is Hannah Martin. Hannah is what I consider to be, although she might not agree with this assessment, but a world-class Olympian judo competitor for Team USA. Her career in judo spans over 20 years, and she is now training for the Summer 2021 Games in Tokyo. This conversation happened before the 2020 Games were canceled because of COVID-19, but I think there is still a lot of applicable content, especially to what Hannah is doing from a training aspect as she prepares for the games next year. A few of the other topics we get into during our conversation include what it means to dedicate so much training time to be competitive at judo and the sacrifice that comes with that, what it was like being teammates with Ronda Rousey when Hannah was younger, why we need to have people around us who can guide us to the finish line, making connections within the judo world when it's such an individualized sport, and her process for ensuring she gets off to a fast start in competition so that she can continue to fight and not have to go home. I want to highlight that last part when we talk about getting off to a fast start. It's about halfway to three quarters of the way through in our conversation. I think that's so interesting and such a different concept than we really hear about in most sports competitions where you have to win that first fight and then you might have to fight up to five times in one day and you're fighting somebody that that is just so crazy to me that you can amp it up every single time to get through and I know that it's a little bit more of wrestling than it is fighting or kickboxing but still you're fighting somebody you are trying to wrestle them and beat them another human being standing right across the mat from you. And another important highlight for this conversation, I think, is just the dedication to specialize in this sport at such a young age and and how that has carried on throughout Hannah's life and has allowed her to continue to compete for over 20 years in this sport. I think her work ethic really shines through in this conversation. I want to use that as a reminder to folks out there Whether you're doing a very specialized individual sport like judo or you are an employee at your local accounting firm, if you have the work ethic to be great and to want to succeed and you want to put in the extra mile, as Hannah talks about in this conversation, then you will find success. But if you want to be average, 
not only are you not going to last in judo, but you're probably not going to advance to where you want to be in your life, whatever that looks like right now. So use this conversation as motivation to get to where you want to be. And let's not waste any more time. Let's dive right in and let's discover our talent altitude. Here is my talk with Hannah Martin. Okay, everyone, welcome back to the Dynamic Leaders Podcast. Today, my guest with me is Hannah Martin. Hannah, thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Let's dive right into this conversation because I always have too much that I need to talk about with my guests and you're no different, but your background specifically is a little bit different than most of the guests that I have on. So I want to make sure we get plenty of time to get to as much as we can. But first, I want to give you an opportunity to tell the listening audience a little bit about yourself. So please tell us, who are you? All right. I am an athlete. I've been training in the sport of judo for over 20 years. I have been trying to make an Olympic team for the last, I guess, 12 years, and I haven't made it. I was an Olympic alternate. I had a few injuries here and there that stopped me from making my overall dream. But I've been ranked in the top 15 in the world in judo, and I travel all around the world at Olympic qualification events um, to make the Olympics. So my whole life right now is centered around judo, which is pretty awesome, actually. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know a ton about the sport. And I I would say that as far as my personal education goes on very individualized sports like this, or like boxing, kickboxing, really the only, I'm trying to think of like the only book that I've ever really took a deep dive into. Uh, Ronda Rousey wrote a book a few years back and it was such a great book. And um, it seems like you've at least heard of it, if not read it yourself, but. Um, Well, actually just to cut you off, sorry. I actually, we were like um, teammates in the past when we were, when we were juniors. So I've traveled, I actually traveled around a lot with her when we were younger and also roomed with her in a event in like competitions, like Dominican Republic and things like that. So I actually know her. I'm not in contact with her now, but I've like grown up, around her. So, um, so cool. Her years when she was making the Olympic team and everything, like I was around. So yes, I, I actually, the book was really cool. Cause I was like, Oh, I know what she's talking about. (laughs) Like all the judo things, like I'm and the people she's talking about. I was like, Oh my God, this this is great. So yes, I am. Um, so yeah, that's my relationship with, with Rhonda. Now she's super famous, which is awesome. Yeah, obviously super famous. And one day, if you keep working at it too, well, hopefully you'll get to that point and have a book out that's just as impactful. And I think the thing that really stood out to me about that book and where I want to start this conversation is how dedicated you need to be to succeed in this sport specifically. And that's not to shortchange any of the other sports out there, but man, it just seemed like from the things that she wrote at least in that book. And when I read it, that she was sacrificing a lot more than you hear. And we're talking, we're talking about like sacrificing during your teenage years, during years when like, you know, most, most people are out with their friends or they're at parties or they're eating pizza and cake and all these type of things. So I'd love for you to start the conversation there and talk, talk to us about the training aspect of your sport and what it really takes to be successful. Yeah, it's actually 
uh, great that you mentioned like the sacrifices and things like that because even when I was, I remember when I was a teenager, um, my parents didn't really support my judo career, so they didn't really pay for anything. And as you know, like travel when you are competing, you have to travel like um, even like nationally, you have to travel like to Florida or to California to compete in national events. And when you're a teenager, you don't have that kind of money to pay for you know hotels and food and plane tickets and stuff like that. So I remember, yeah, I was sacrificed like basically my everything was dedicated to judo. So I, I remember I worked two jobs um, to pay for judo on top of training. And on top, of course, you have to like make weight. So I, you know, you can't eat pizza. You can't have ice cream. I mean, you can, then yes, you're going to be running for <laughs> running for the next week, you know, but um, I always tell everybody that you have to be like a little bit crazy and absolutely love the sport of judo because there's just no, like it's just really it's it's very expensive just to travel also outside the country and also there's no like support like um there's there's not judo in school there's no one really knows what judo is so even if you go to sponsors and you're like yes I'm a judo athlete I'm ranked number one in the country they're like oh what's that is that like karate is that taekwondo like they have no <laughs> idea what it is so they don't even want to like really support you because they have no idea what you're talking about wow that's so interesting so how how do you get involved in judo like how did you come to want to be so involved that you mentioned your parents weren't that supportive and hopefully that's changed over the course of the years but how do you get involved in something where it's not as popular as like the four major sports for example well now um i'm gonna say my parents are very supportive just in case i hear this <laughs> they, they definitely they are very supportive and um, actually, my dad, he got me into the sport accidentally. Um, he wanted my younger brother, my younger brother to do judo. And when I was like eight years old, I was like, oh, what's this? What's my brother doing? My brother was six. And I was like, really confused that he was allowed to do something that I wasn't allowed. So my brother, my dad reluctantly brought me to judo. And like, I got to try because, you know, the coach just like talked to my dad. Like, oh, let's let her try. There's a bunch of girls doing judo. It's okay. He, would, he didn't want me to do judo because I was a girl. That was basically the thing. So he didn't think I'd really like it because I was always like, you know, I didn't like to sweat when I was little. I didn't like to do things that like were scary. And then once I tried judo, I was like, oh, this is great. I get to beat up my brother and, and like do things that like you're not really supposed to do at home, like wrestle. So I like absolutely loved it. Like right when I started, I felt like like a little ninja. But then as like time, <laughs> like time goes on and I was like getting more involved and I wanted to compete more, they were like, no, we don't want you to do this. It was very financially hard for them. So that's why I had to like find other ways to get myself to these competitions. So I often talk about, and I think one of the other reasons that I'm so fascinated by people who are in this sport is that in order to be successful and obviously being successful, you can define that in a number of different ways, but for however you define it, I think you need to, as you alluded to a little bit earlier, be a little bit crazy. I often compare it to being a little bit, desperate in the belief that whatever your vision is or whatever you are setting out to achieve, that you need to have this like desperate belief in order to accomplish those goals. And I'd love to just dive deeper into that because you're talking about when you're a teenager, working two jobs, trying to support this dream that probably wasn't even fully formulated yet. Like you had no idea where some of these end games may lie and what the future is going to hold. You can't obviously predict that. So can we go back to the work ethic and just really dive deep into how do you juggle being able to do things to support yourself and then get the training in and 
have time to dream and just want to push yourself to these limits that a lot of people just can't get to that point. Yeah. It was actually very, now that I look back at it, like, I'm like, man, like, I really don't understand how I managed to do this because now I'm, I have a great, my, my life right now is just geared towards training and competing. Like I have my husband, like totally supports what I'm doing. I have a lot of, I have some more sponsors now, so I don't actually have to like wake up at five. I used to wake up at five o'clock in the morning to go open the Cracker Barrel and I would work, (laughs) I would work 5am to two. And so that's like an eight hours. That's a really long shift, by the way, on your, on your, on your feet. Yeah. And after that, I would go to the gym. Uh, so I'll probably go to gym around two thirty to three thirty, and then I would go to judo at six thirty and train six thirty to eight thirty. And this is I would probably do like this these two a day workouts like four to three to four times a week, and then like I would not do the gym every day because of course like when you work at five a.m. like really takes your toll on you. But I remember sometimes I'm like, man, like I don't know what what exactly is driving me, but the thing that was driving me was that I wanted to be good, I wanted to be successful, I wanted to go to these competitions and I wanted to win basically winning and being at top of the podium was like my, my big motivator. And I of course wanted to make my coaches and, and also show my family that, yeah, this is what I'm doing. Like I'm almost proving them wrong that, you know, I stayed in the sport for so long. So I had a few motivators, uh, I guess along the way, but I have no idea how I actually did it. Cause now I'm like, man, waking up at five o'clock in the morning to, to go to work. Like this just sounds crazy to me now. <laughs> yeah. And it's not like you were, it, 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 I guess it would be a little bit different if you were getting up at five in the morning to train, for example, or something train, like that. Yeah, yeah. So, and that also is still crazy. I mean, I wake up at like seven thirty. That that's a good time for training. But but yeah, I used to do this uh, this Cracker Barrel thing, and I just like I think I think it actually made me stronger. And when I was competing, I always ha- have this. I, I always was thinking, okay, I I work at five a.m. in the morning. I go I go running at this time. I train uh two times a day and I, I literally i'm killing myself with the sport so it gives me like an extra an extra push when i'm like fighting because you're, you're basically fighting another person when you're competing it's not like you're like tossing a ball to one another you're like literally fighting somebody out there in the competition so it gave me like i feel like it, it gave me an edge and it made me really focus on what i wanted to do do you feel like the structure that you've had to have i mean you just talked about it being able to get up at this time, go to work at this time, run at this time, train at this time, and just do that on a day-to-day basis, like takes a lot of dedication, but also takes a certain structure in order to fit it into the allotted time that we have each day. Where did that tool come from? Like, how were you able to develop that within yourself so that you could accomplish everything that you were trying to squeeze into a day? Did you struggle with that in the beginning? Was that something that you had to build on? You know, I actually don't ever think I ever struggle with it. I've always been like a very motivated person. Like I've, I've always wanted to be the best at everything I've done, no matter what it is, even like in gym class, you know, like playing field hockey or something. I wanted to make sure like I was the best one. So I think I've always had this like motivation to be the best. And then I set like high standards for myself. Like I've always had like high goals. Like I want, I always set goals for myself. And I think that's how I'm able to stay like on the right track. Cause I, if I, don't have a goal then I don't feel motivated you know so I have I always make little goals for myself every day even today and of course I have a big goal which is the Olympics then I have like my smaller goals which are like competitions which I have a competition this weekend in Dusseldorf Germany by the way and I set like small goals for myself each day I think that's what keeps me motivated and keeps me on track on top of just being like I guess 
like hyperactive person where I always need to do something, always need to be to be accomplishing something daily. That's just how I guess I've been my whole life. Sure, and I, I don't know how much thought you've actually given to this, but obviously you're at a different point in your career and your life. And I'm curious as to, you mentioned some of the motivators and how you set goals. And I'm just curious as to how different that is now versus what it was when you first started and how you think that affects your mindset as far as everything that you do. When I first started, like everything was was new. So it was, it was like really, really exciting, you know, like I had like a piece of paper and I was like, I was like, all right, I want to take top five of the Pan American Championships. I want to do this and this and this. And I remember I looked at it and I was like, oh my god, oh my god, I like did all this stuff in like a, a matter in like a year. So I just kept setting like higher and higher goals for myself. And now I still have the same the same mentality, but it's just uh, like I I'm more advanced in my career now. Like I've been doing this for a long time. I've been on the the international circuit for over 10 years. So I'm like more of a veteran. So I guess I was just in the past, I was more excited. And now I'm just uh, like, I already know what to expect. I know what I have to do. Like I have, I still motivated the same way, but I guess it was just more, it's more exciting when it was new in the beginning. I think I answered the question. I'm not too sure. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's definitely changed. Obviously, as you've said, it's not as new anymore. And maybe that takes away some of the gloss or the excitement as you mentioned. Now, tell me if I'm wrong, but it seems like the culture of this sport, like, I don't think you're an outlier, right? Like the way that you work and in the way that you put your effort in, like, it seems like in order to compete in this sport, that everybody has to compete in that same way. Is that accurate? Uh, Yes, I agree. Actually, I also think because we are like, you know, you never really heard of judo, so we don't really have like a like a, a structured team. So every everyone that is doing judo currently uh, in the USA, everyone has their own own schedule, own group of coaches and athletic trainers, nutritionists and psychologists that work with each person individually. So if you are willing to go the extra mile and and put in the work, then then yes, you're successful. But yeah, anybody anyone off the street or, you know, any average person can try this sport and they'll realize how hard it is. The sport is, is so hard and there's so many people around the world in countries that are doing this and they have like, they have the support and the money behind them. So it's a, uh, you really need to be uh, like highly motivated to do this sport. Have you ever encountered a situation where there's somebody, an up and comer that obviously has the talent, right? Like it, it seems like that they're just a natural at what they can do, but maybe they don't have the drive to work consistently as hard as they need to. Is there a long leash to take those type of people and coach them up? Or is it more cutthroat to say like, Hey, you need to turn this around quickly or you're really not going to last that long. You know, it's cool that you mentioned this because I've seen this so many times. I've seen so many great athletes and uh, young, especially young, young kids come along with great potential. And they just didn't have the, not necessarily the drive. We just didn't have anyone to point them in the right direction and tell them what to do. And, you know, it's an individual sport. So you need to like, you need to force yourself. You need to tell yourself you need to get up in the morning. You need to tell yourself to go run. You need to, it's all internalized. It's all, everything is on you, you know? So 
your your coaches, your family, your friends, your teammates, they can say whatever they want to you. But if you personally don't want to do this, then then it's going to be very hard for you to become successful. And I've seen so many young kids quit just because they don't have the right – I'm not necessarily not the right people guiding them because I've, I've tried my best uh, in the past with a lot of people I've seen that had a lot of potential. And the thing is that if they don't – there's just – the sport has no – like system. So I think that's why they get lost because they don't know what to follow or who to listen to because there's so many people coming from different, you know, different uh, places, like all these different coaches saying, Oh, you got to go here. Or there's a different athletes saying, no, you should do this. There's that. There's no set like rules to the sport. And I think that's why a lot of people get lost. So you talked about how this is such an individualized sport, especially in comparison to some of the other ones out there. So can we talk about support for a minute because you talked about mentoring and being able to maybe coach or help these younger kids that are coming up from a mentoring perspective, like how in an individual sport like this, how does that work? Like, how do you get to build relationships with people when a lot of your training is one-on-one and you're not in those traditional kind of athletic group settings that I think a lot of people are accustomed to? You know, it's, it's tough. You know, I always say like, you need like a psychologist literally with a sport because (laughs) everything is just, it's all, it's in your head. It's all mental. Like, yes, yes. You need a partner and you need a training partner to train with you. But you know, like when you, I watch these like awesome movies about all team, like football teams and soccer teams and whatever. And I'm like, Oh my God, like, it's amazing. They have a coach that they get into a little circle and they, they get all motivated. You know, there's no one that does that for us in judo, you know? So you have to like, really find your own motivator and it's just it's it's hard to it's it's hard because everyone is different everyone reacts differently so what might work for me and how I motivate myself and and get myself ready for competition it doesn't necessarily work for the next person hey everyone Christine here from sweat with stods one of this show's sponsors the dynamic leaders podcast is here to help you be a better leader and the best leaders take care of themselves both mentally and physically I'm here to help on the physical side by making fitness accessible to everyone. As a certified personal trainer with years of experience coaching fitness classes, I've designed programs that can be followed at home and in the gym. These are intelligently structured programs, giving you a plan to follow to help you be successful. Build strength with my Get Strong at Home program, get quick results with Hit at Home 1 or 2, or work on your health outside of fitness with my Healthy Habits program. As a listener, you can get these programs at a discounted rate by entering code DYNAMIC at checkout. That's D-Y-N-A-M-I-C at checkout. So head on over to sweatwithstods.com. That's sweat with S-T-O-D-D-S dot com to take the next step toward achieving your health and fitness goals today. Regardless of that aspect that you just talked about, where it is so individualized, do you still find it that you are able to make connections with people in the sport to not just for mentorship reasons, but just for like legitimate support reasons, or just to have outlets to talk to people about the sport? Like, how are you able to cultivate those type of relationships? Uh, I have many, I've met so many amazing people in the sport uh, around the world. So I have like friends everywhere. Like I'm currently living in Germany right now. So I have like a lot of people here that I'm friends with. And I also met my husband in the sport. So he's a coach actually. So I have met so many people and, you know, everyone has their own story of how they do judo and why they do judo. But 
in the end, we all love the sport and we are all crazy about the sport. So when we get, you know, it's just, it's so cool how, you know, so many backgrounds and so many people come together and you have the same, it's the same love for the same thing. But, you know, everyone, it's just, I don't know. I just, I think the sport is awesome. And I have so many, I met so many people and I'm, I'm in love with the sport. Yeah, that's awesome. That's very cool. Now, I'd like to focus a little bit on the mental part of the game. And you talked about earlier that the competition aspect of judo is you're, you're actually fighting somebody and that's a little bit different than most of the athletic competitions or most of the work that you can do in this world. You're not literally fighting somebody that's standing right across from you. So I'd I'd love to talk about how you develop an edge from a mental standpoint, how you build up that mental toughness to be able to get on the mat and continue to fight, fight after fight. Yeah, that is, you know, such a, actually a very tough question because when everything is working in your head on that one day, everything works. But when some, when you're not, when you're not completely focused, when you're fighting, uh, in one second, you, it can be, it can go wrong. And actually in judo, it's crazy. You can literally go out there and you can lose in the first exchange. So it can be like, a, like, a, like four seconds and then the match is over. And so then, then all your work, all everything you've done, just you know, it it goes. It doesn't matter because then you're out of the competition. You can't if you lose first fight, you're out. You need to get to the quarterfinal to stay in the competition. So you have to like. So the first fight is everything, and being able to uh, to get yourself ready for that first fight, and you always know who you're going to fight before you before you go out there. So you already you know you can analyze videos on them. You can see where they're from and you, you can, and you can do a lot of research on them. So you can have like a game plan. So I used to, I always like to go out there with a game plan for myself and what I need to do and focus on what I need to do instead of focusing on what they're doing. And that's the best way to, I like to approach um, my, my fights, my uh, competition fights. So you can have multiple fights in one competition or like in one day, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you can have up to like, I mean, it depends how many people are, are in the draw. Like, in this upcoming competition uh, in Dusseldorf, I will I have forty two girls in my in my like in my division, and I'll probably have to win five fights to get to the final in one day. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so can we break that down a little bit? So you mentioned that basically in in order to get anywhere, right, you have to get off to a fast start. Like you have to win that first mm-hmm. fight in order to move on to continue on yeah so can we start there because i want to break down two aspects of like a full day of competition how do you Mm -hmm. prepare mentally physically like what does what does the day look like for you leading up to that first fight how do you ensure that you're going to get off to a fast start i used to get so nervous um to the point where like when i where i would walk out to the mat i couldn't like my knees, my legs would be shaking. Like I couldn't really feel like my body on the floor. Like I felt like I was exploding. <laughs> so I started, it was, it's like, it's a crazy feeling. Cause you're like, you're, you know, you're competing, you get nervous in it. You know, it's you versus basically it's you versus you and you versus someone else. You know, you're in your, it's you versus you because you're in your head. Sure. And then it's you versus the other person that is like literally wants to fight you and wants to win. You both want to win, you know? So it's, it's tough going out there. But, um, I started like, I started meditating actually. And I felt like, meditation has kept me more grounded and has like made me feel like my feet are on the floor when I'm going out there. So now I, instead of focusing on, 
on the fight. I just focus on the moment and like where I am at the moment. And I always find like a spot to focus because because these arenas are huge. Like you fight in these big competition areas, and it's like it can be really, really like um, almost scary, you know? Because it's like you go out there and it's a big, a big mat. There's people everywhere. So I always find like something to focus on and just focus on that, like a little dot on the wall, like a little picture a person in the audience I just like I just usually find something to focus on so I can keep myself grounded and be in the moment because if you get out of the moment if you're not in the moment when you're competing then you're you've already lost the fight now the flip side to that is say you're going through five fights like you had mm-hmm. mentioned so you want to get off to a fast start but you don't want to exert all of your energy after one fight because you have four other fights hopefully to get through. So how do you maintain the strength, the mental edge, everything that you need in order to succeed in the ensuing fights after that? Like, what does that take to be able to be successful? Uh, well, I think, you know what, you actually really can't save your energy in any fights. It's literally, it's, you have to go out balls to the wall. Like you have to go a hundred percent out, like, or else like you're not going to make it to the next round. But, um, it's not really like saving energy because we actually, we train, you train every day. Like when we train the judo, we are actually like doing like sparring. So you're actually fighting another person. And we do like, uh, sometimes in a week I do like 30 or 40 rounds of fighting. So like, I'm actually like, we're all, we're all trained at a high level to be able to do at least five fights, um, in a competition day. So it's basically, you just need to keep, <laughs> I, I feel like once I, you win the fight, you, you get confidence after the first fight and then you keep this momentum going, you know, you refuel your body, you make sure you're thinking about the next person. Cause now after you win the first fight, you have to, um, you look and see who you're fighting. You're going to fight next. And then you have to keep, make a game plan on the spot and you have to talk with your coaches or actually sometimes when I'm at this competition, there's no coaches. So you actually have to like make a game plan by yourself based on like what you know about that, about your competition. So I actually, after, for me personally, after I win the first fight, um, I get like a little bit like a, a confidence boost and I feel good, you know, and I, and I try to keep the momentum going just by staying focused by, you know, refueling my body by, re- you know, re- actually refueling my brain, like by meditating again and relaxing just to, just to make sure that I'm ready for the next fight. What I want to highlight there is that your success on the day of competition is as much a part of your preparation and your training beforehand as it is the way that you're feeling on that day. So that's a lesson for people who are listening that your preparation, your training, whatever it is that you're doing, if you're in a sport corporate world, that's probably the most important aspect to getting to the actual event or getting to the competition and being successful. Yes. Preparation literally is everything. Like if you, in, in the back of your head, if you don't feel prepared for the competition, then I feel like you shouldn't even show up to the competition because, like, what's the point, you know? Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can, like, you can cross your fingers and pray and be like, <laughs> okay, maybe everything will work out. But you know what? Like, everyone, not, I mean, I'm going to say, like, 95% of your competition, they are, they are training. They are prepared. They're, they are, you know, they want to win. So you need, you need to be just as prepared. You can't just show up and, and wish for the best, you know? Yeah. And obviously the repercussions for not preparing in your sport are a little bit more severe than maybe in yeah, baseball, man. for example. Losing <laughs> sucks. Okay. Like, especially there was one time I flew all the way to Turkey from New York. It's where I'm from, from the, in the U S and, uh, 
I went out there and I fought literally for 15 seconds, lost first round. And like, let me tell you that, like that hurts, that hurts to go out there and lose in 15 seconds. Wow. You know? Yeah. So I've had some, some very good wins and very bad losses. And I think also that's what makes you a, a well-rounded athlete. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So let's talk game planning a little bit. You Mm -hmm. brought it up and, I'm just going off some of my loose knowledge of these type of sports, but let's say a fight goes the distance and mm-hmm. at least almost as far as it can go. Maybe you get the knockout at the end or it goes to some type of decision, but game planning is obviously an important aspect of preparation that you had talked about before, but I think sports in particular are the really, the, the really important aspect that you need to master in order to be successful is being able to adjust in game or on the fly or in competition. And, and so, Um, and so I I don't mean to cut you off, but no, 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 I will cut you off. (laughs) Well, I was going to say, I give this example pretty often. So my background is pretty heavy in baseball and people think baseball is a boring sport when they're watching it from afar, but what they don't realize is all the thought that goes into the process between pitches. So if I'm playing shortstop and it's a one, one pitch, there's four or five different scenarios that can happen on the next pitch that I need to be mentally prepared for in order to put myself in the best position to help my team. And then if that count goes to two and one, it's a completely different scenario than if it goes to one and two. And so there's just so much that you're constantly thinking about and, you know, baseball is a slower sport, obviously, where you kind of have that downtime to process those thoughts and to put yourself in a position to be successful. Whereas if you're fighting and you got somebody on the other side of you throwing punches and throwing kicks and, and everything <laughs> that you like, it can be a little bit harder to adjust on the fly. So I'd love to hear about how you've gone about that process and how you shift accordingly when you know, you game plan and you think you have this really great plan, but for whatever reason, the opponent has planned a little bit differently or you're just not executing. How do you adjust on the fly? Well, um, just so for all our listeners who are listening, they judo is, uh, is more of a wrestling kind of sport. So you like, actually you're throwing people and okay. like submitting them with like arm bars and chokes. So there's no kicks or punches. Just letting you know. Okay. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. And people also with judo, they can look at judo and they see us like, um, we call it, like it's called kumikata it's in Japanese, but it's called grip fighting, where the person you know you're trying to get your best grip and your best position so you can you know attempt to throw them. And this a lot a lot is going on, but to a person that doesn't know the sport, they're like, oh, what is it looks like? You guys are just standing there like playing patty cake, but no, you're you're standing there and you're you're trying to find like the perfect the grip, the perfect angle, and there's so much going on. And and from the outside, it looks like nothing's going on. So I, under, I understand what you're saying about like the baseball thing where you don't really understand like, oh, if something's going on or something, you know, because it just looks like nothing's happening. But a lot is actually happening. Yeah, judo is crazy because you can have this one plan where you're like, all right, I'm going to grab here and do this and try this move. And the person reacts completely opposite of what you thought. So you actually have to go by, I would, I like to say instinct and feeling because when you're when you're feeling another person's body react to something, you need to think of something else to do besides your plan. So uh, being able to have like, that's why we, we also are training. We have, we train different techniques all the time. So there's different ways to, uh, to throw a person down in different situations. So 
if a person reacts one way, then I can do this. If a person reacts that way, I can do that. So there is multiple things you can do in a fight off based off of one grip or one scenario. So we also train this a lot in, in, um, in practice. So uh, you're almost ready for everything. But, you know, also when you're doing something for a really long time, it also becomes instinct and based on feelings. So sometimes you just do something without even thinking. All right. So let's talk a little bit about knowing your role. And you've been trying to make the Olympic team, as you've mentioned earlier in the conversation, but you've been an alternate before, which I talk a lot about role players in terms of the people who aren't the superstars. So, you know, maybe, maybe in this conversation, people who aren't the round of Rouseys, right? Like haven't mm-hmm. gotten to the apex, but are still super important to the success of an Olympic team, for example, in their own small way. So can you talk about your role as an alternate on that team and what you had to do to be supportive and maybe how that I'm imagining it had to be a little bit different as far as like your training and your preparation went, because you knew that most likely, unless there was an injury or something, you weren't going to actually be fighting. So maybe it was a little bit more about supporting your teammates versus when you're competing now and you are the one actually fighting. Yeah, you know, it's so crazy. I was the alternate and um, I was young and uh, younger, of course, it was a few years ago, like 2008, I was the alternate. So I was really young. I was 20. And the girl that uh, went to the Olympics in my weight division, she was not a fan. She did not, she did not like me. So they didn't even take me to go to watch to be the training partner for her. So I actually never got to go to the Olympics and experience what it was like to be like, even not competing, but on the other side because of um, someone not liking me. So I actually don't know what that feeling is like, but I've seen, you know, many of my teammates and friends who have trained the Olympics and, you know, um, last Olympics, it was Rio Um, for Rio. I was very close to making the team. I had to get like a bronze medal at the Pan American championships and I ended up getting fifth. So it was very, very close. So, um, I didn't go to Rio cause I didn't really want to go as a training partner cause I didn't want to, cause it would have, it would have like hurt me to, to be so close, but so far away. So I didn't want to like experience that. I've never actually experienced, uh, what, what you, what you said. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, in, in a way though, you've talked about the hardships again and how you've had to bounce back from adversity. And I think that, while you said you've won a lot of fights, you've probably lost a lot of fights or just been in some really tough moments for your mm-hmm. career and had to overcome all of that. So if we can you know, maybe focus on what the future looks like, like how much thought have you given towards what you're looking to do? Are you training for the next Olympics? Like, is that a goal still? Uh, it seems like it is, but what, what are some of the future goals? Yeah. yeah. Um, right now, Right now, um, well, Tokyo is just the summer. Um, the summer games um, are like literally months away. Um, so right now, my main focus is on the Olympic, these Olympic qualification events that are coming up. So from now until May, I have I have like six competitions left to qualify for the Olympics. And right now, I'm currently not qualified. I need two medals to qualify. So right now, I'm literally competing everywhere. Like I'm going to be in Düsseldorf this weekend, Düsseldorf, Germany. And then I'm going to Morocco in a couple of weeks fighting. I'm competing in Russia. I'm competing in Georgia, the country, Georgia, not the States, um, competing in Turkey and also will be competing in Canada and then Azerbaijan. And that, that will finish my Olympic qualification. 
So by the end of May, I will know if I'm qualified or not. So right now, everything I'm doing is geared towards um, Tokyo. And I haven't, you know, I don't want to, I'm right now I'm, I'm 31 years old. I've been doing judo for over 20 years. So I haven't really thought past um, Tokyo. I hope I, you know, if I make, when I make the team, like, I want to like end my career in Tokyo, but I'm not putting an end date on my, on my athletic, my athletic career yet. So. That's awesome. And obviously we're yeah. pulling for you and <laughs> that would be such a thrill and so exciting for you to, after all that hard work and all those years of just pouring in that effort that you need to be successful for you to get to that would be super rewarding just from an outsider's perspective, but I'm sure obviously yeah, for and, you. And you know, I just want to mention like, even if I you know don't make the Olympic team, like I've had so many great moments um, competing and like I, like I met my husband doing judo. Like I've had so many uh, great moments, you know, so many medals, so many memories. You no, know, it's, you know, people always say it's about the journey, which I always thought it was like a little silly, but you know, it is about the journey and it's, you know, it's made me a stronger person. And, and I, and I, I love sport. Like I think being in a sport, like really, it really helps you grow and become stronger and, you know, be able to deal with things in life too. So, um, yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy with, with, with whatever happens in the end. Very cool. Well, Hannah, if there are people that want to follow along with your journey, wherever it takes you, how can we find you on social media? You can find me on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram handle is hannah.martin910. And then I have Twitter. It's um, judohannah at Twitter. And then I also have a Facebook Facebook athlete page. Um, it's facebook.com slash judohannah if you want to follow my journey. Beautiful. I will throw all that information into the show notes. Super easy reference for people who are listening. Now, Hannah, before I let you go, the show is called Dynamic Leaders and you have showcased your ability to be a dynamic leader, especially with that work ethic. Man, I I could have hit on that for the two hours that you have before training today and we could still talk about it afterwards, but that, that has been such an important part of this conversation. But I always like to give my guests an opportunity to shout out somebody who's been influential from a leadership standpoint or just in general in their life. Do you have somebody that you want to give a shout out to today? Um, I actually, yeah. Um, I would like to, I'll give a special one out to my, to my husband who actually is my coach. His name's Miguel Ogando. Um, he's, you know, he's great. He's like my psychologist. He's my coach. He's my husband. He's freaking amazing person. Also give a shout out to my, my home coach in New York, uh, Jason Morris. He's, uh, without him, I don't know, um, where I would be today. So he, um, he's made me, he's made me a good judo player. That's all I have to say. <laughs> awesome. What a great I way. Really like that I put his name out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll have to make sure that they hear this obviously and listen all the way through. You got to listen to the end to get the shout out. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Well, Hannah, thank you so much for taking time out. We certainly wish you the best of luck getting to Tokyo. And thank you again for hopping on the show today. Thank you for having me.